0: My friends at my pillow, my buddy Mike Lindell told me he was coming out with a brand new product. It's called the New Mattress. So I got the new mattress topper immediately, and I've been sleeping on it now for a couple of months. It's the best thing you've ever felt in your life. Now you literally have my pillow, foam for support. It's a transitional foam that helps relieve pressure points and it's ultra soft, patented temperature regulating cover, and I gotta tell you, it has a 10-year warranty, a cover that's washable and dryable. It's made in the USA backed by their 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee. Once you try this new mattress topper, you put it right over your mattress. You will never sleep better. And right now, you, my radio listeners, you're going to save 30% off when you go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code TOPPER. And by the way, Mike will also give you two standard my pillows absolutely free. All right, so try MyPillow.com promo code TOPPER, promo code TOPPER for this great deal and the best night's sleep you ever had. All right, glad you're with us. Happy Monday. Oh, I got a story for you parents about kids and Santa, and it is going to make your blood boil. I do you can't believe, by the way, this was done to fifth, uh, five and six year olds. By the way, Saturday Night Live, they want uh, a, all they want for Christmas is Mueller to lock up Trump. The only other option is a coup, of course, from them. Uh, we'll get into all of that. (laughs) Al Sharpton, (laughs) this is the funniest story I've ever seen. He pays himself a million and a half dollars from his own National Action Network. What for? For the rights to his life story. This is his charity. He paid himself from his own charity five hundred and thirty-one grand. According to his latest tax filing, 500, but they only get it for a 10 year period of time. I guess he'll sell it again for a million dollars next time to the same people to go sell his life story. I, I, I don't know why that struck me as so funny today. Uh, it did. I'm glad you're with us. Oh, we have a lot of caravan news. Um, massive success by the president. China tariffs. I've told every conservative friend of mine that was most worried, legitimately so, because about some type of trade war that the president was going ga- to engage in or tariffs that he was going to place on on different countries. I said, no, nope, it's not him. It's a negotiating tactic. If you don't make them believe that you're going to do it, they're never going to move and they're never going to offer. We we have had horrible one sided deals with everybody. That includes NATO, 72 cents of every dollar. That includes our even our European allies and friends, supposedly. They have one-sided trade deals, Mexico, NAFTA, Canada, now China. Um, so we're, we're making huge progress, which we'll get to also today. Um, we have a lot of deep state news we're going to get into in the course of the program. We'll make it all happen. Um, what do you say about a guy like President George Herbert Walker Bush? Except he just embodies, it's it's all part of, I mean, this is my dad's generation. My father fought four years in the Pacific in World War II. And he, by the way, I didn't know he's the longest, he, he lived longer than any president in American history. Only two families have had a father and son become president. And he obviously being one of them. And you think of his years as ambassador to China, director of the CIA, Eight years, the Reagan, Reagan got me in love with politics. Reagan convinced me. That's when I became a conservative. And here we are 30 years later in radio, in my 23rd year at Fox. It's amazing how many people don't get how consistent I have been in terms of my conservative ideas and philosophy. Of course, you, you can't be intellectually honest and not at times change opinions on certain issues which I have evolved and over time. I I consider myself a little more civil libertarian, certainly, than I ever was before. Um, I think the main things government ought to do ought to be limited in nature. I've always believed that. Reagan always said, you know, government is the problem. I've always believed in lower taxes, free markets, liberty and freedom. I've always believed that every individual is... Brought on this earth is a child of God. Every single person has natural talent and ability. That's where the word education comes from. And that is, you know, to bring forth from within. That's because God put it there. That's I've always believed in that. We're endowed by our creator, our founding document. I believe that. Our great constitution. But government becomes more intrusive, more intrusive. And, And Reagan taught me something. I studied the eight years he was president. I was on radio just as he was, you know, I guess I started in 1987. And I, I remember I was like, you know, here's a guy that gave us tax cuts and created the single longest period of peacetime economic growth in American history. He left the presidency having created over 20 million new jobs. Um, he literally and this happened actually in the Bush years, you know, but it was Reagan who said, tear down this wall. And George Herbert Walker Bush presided over that and you know i look at the the life of military service i look at the life of as a businessman i was watching 43 george uh w bush talking about his dad and you know he could have joined a hedge fund after college he went to yale he was a great athlete and no he wanted to be in odessa texas and you know the living conditions weren't particularly great. He said his mom would describe they were living next to prostitutes. Apparently, I'd never knew that story before. Anyway, on a personal level, I've just gotten to know him, and I've known the family, and I've known him for many years, and just they represent everything that is good and decent. And this man spent a life serving his country. He at just every in every capacity, his entire adult life was about service for others and he did it with a passion it was only a couple of years ago and you know he's still jumping out of airplanes and you know at the end of the day for any of us when that moment comes and we've got to meet our creator and cross over to that other side I think all of us want to have lived life and the world is a better stronger place the United States was was is better and stronger because of george herbert walker bush especially in his years as vice president and president it wasn't without controversy it wasn't without his own tough moments in life i mean that's really what creates character in people isn't it when we get tested and then those roots inside us we need to go deeper and deeper don't we otherwise we're just going to get blown away in the in the wind when the rains come and it's it's not good um I did an interview with both 41 and 43. I'm going to air parts of this tonight on Hannity. And uh, there was a love between 43 and 41. It was in a, it was unbelievable. I went down when the uh, President Bush, George W. Bush, you know, invited me to his museum down there. And I went down on SMU campus. I, I forgot, was his father's? Presidential Museum, I forget where. I, I don't remember. But anyway, his dad and his mom were there. His mom had recently passed away, as you all know, Barbara Bush. And so I'm doing an interview just with 43. And 41 was in a wheelchair. And so anyway, we're about to do the interview. And he says, no, no, I want to watch. And he came, literally sat and watched the interview with his son. Couldn't be more proud. And I won't give it away, but what, when I interviewed them together... You know, and George Bush said this in an interview that I saw last night or over the weekend when I was watching. Maybe it was 60 Minutes last night. And he said, you know, told the story when he first went into the Oval Office and his dad called him Mr. President and how his father really let him be his own man. And he said, just love him and be a dad. Um, it's just very touching and it just you just it just embodies greatness, goodness. You know, so many Americans never become famous. And by the way, if you want it, you can, it may not be all it's cut out to be. Let me just say that. But at the end of the day, you know, whatever you do for a living, whatever talent you have, we all have to serve other people in some capacity. You know, I can't imagine anything worse. I've said this many, many, many times, than what it must be like if you don't have a purpose and a job in life and you're not giving back and i don't care what it is listen if uh, i know we've always scorned almost some people have scorned on the left stay-at-home moms let me tell you stay at home being a mom full-time that's a full-time job loving your children raising them right feeding them well giving them great life experiences you're serving a child I don't think there's anything greater than that. You're, you're influencing who that person, you're shaping that person, helping shape that person into becoming the person they were created to be. I don't care if you're at McDonald's, you're serving hungry people. So that's a valuable service. You know, if you're building homes, if you're doing plumbing, if you're doing electricity, if you're doing legal work, if you're a doctor and you save lives every day, you know, it doesn't matter. And I've always felt that people that do their jobs publicly... You know, get too much adulation. It's just true. But it's the people that get up every single day and shovel coffee down their throat, dress their kids, you know, pack them a lunch, send them off to school, go put in their 12 hours, come home tired, do homework, make dinner, you know, read to the kids, fall asleep, get up and grind it out again the next day. But all of those people collectively in a free society make this a better world and a better place. And then you have great leaders. I mean we can put athletes on a pedestal and look there's only so many people that can throw a ball over a tiny plate at 100 miles an hour and strike out people. There's only so many guys that can hit that 100 mile an hour fastball, you know, long enough that it's a home run or, you know, playing hockey or basketball or tennis or golf or whatever it happens to be. And so we we marvel at people that are at the top level of whatever their profession happens to be. But whatever you do matters too. And so his job was more public than what most people have. But it's not any, even if you're the president, it's not any more important. For this country to be great, its people have to be great. And there are so many people like George Herbert Walker Bush who did so much good in his life with a decency and a quietness that is his nature. And by the way, I you know it's amazing to me, that the number one complaint about Donald Trump, it's not about even cons- people that say they're conservative. It's, I'm looking at them, okay, so he's a disruptor. He fights hard on every issue. Even if it's better politics, maybe not to fight hard. But he's fighting hard with China, North Korea, the Iranians, he doesn't care. He made a promise to Israel. Uh, about moving, you know, moving the the uh, embassy to Jerusalem keeps it. He keeps his promises on regulation, on tax cuts, on judges fighting every day for the wall, and people that were conservative cuts taxes, originalist justices, energy independence, and they can't find a good thing to say about the guy. They just don't like his style. Well, there's a time and a place, in my opinion, for a George Herbert Walker Bush and a Ronald Reagan. And there's a time for a disruptor, somebody that's going to fight hard, break things and get it done. Because so much of, of Washington has been broken, corrupt and and horrible. But as long as you have the intention and you apply the principles that work and people benefit, you know, I think people feign more outrage than they do. Here's the sad part of the whole coverage I've been watching this weekend is, you know, literally you have the coverage where people that were horrible, I saw this with John McCain too, people that refer to John McCain as a racist, you know, when he's running for president, a horrible treatment of Mitt Romney, binders of women's resumes, bludgeoned him. But now they like him only because he criticizes Trump. You know, the horrible thing said about Ronald Reagan, the horrible thing said about McCain, the horrible thing said about George Herbert Walker Bush corrupt, he ought to be in jail, Iran-Contra, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's the nicest man. But what they're basically doing is using the death of George Herbert Walker Bush now to bludgeon President Trump. But the same people were bludgeoning or people like them were bludgeoning George Herbert Walker Bush. And just like I supported John McCain because I thought he'd be a better president than Barack Obama. I was right, by the way. And, you know, all these people now that said horrible things in life. Now, you know, oh, the greatest man ever. Reagan was the greatest man. Bush was the greatest. I can't stand that phoniness. That more than anything drives me nuts. Um, We pray for his family today. Um, And they're a very close family. This is not easy. And especially it wasn't long ago that President Bush's father, uh, mother, had had passed away, Barbara Bush. And um, I know the president has sent Air Force One to Houston uh, to pick up um, the 41st president and his family. And there's going to be a lot of ceremonies. We'll be carrying it all this week for you. Um, Godspeed, George Herbert Walker Bush. You're a good man. Thank you for a lifetime of greatness and service to the country you loved hey guys remember when you need gifts that you need to bring a smile to somebody's face 1-800 flowers.com they have to be your go-to whether it's a birthday an anniversary that slipped your mind or maybe you just want to get ahead and deliver something just because you want them to know you're thinking about them 1-800 flowers.com they have the deals the bouquets that are guaranteed to show people you love them and right now, when you order 12 peppermint roses for $29.99, well, 1-800-Flowers will give you an extra half dozen roses and a vase absolutely free. Now, that's up to 40% off the original price. Peppermint roses from 1-800-Flowers.com are picked at their peak, and they're shipped overnight to ensure maximum freshness. Now, to order 12 peppermint roses for twenty nine ninety nine plus another half dozen roses and a free vase, just go to 1-800-Flowers.com Slash Hannity. That's 1 800 flowers.com slash Hannity. But you got to hurry. This offer ends on Friday. Even the uh, AP um, didn't get the memo. It's now okay for the Democratic media. And it's okay now to say nice things about George Herbert Walker Bush. AP had to delete a tweet about the death of the former president. There was a huge backlash on this. And it said, uh, we've deleted a tweet and revised a story on the death of President George Herbert Walker Bush because the tweet and the opening story referenced his 92 electoral defeat. And they didn't even talk about his World War II service. I mean, it's just so typical. You know what's sad? You know, John McCain, for, I'll use this as an example. John McCain and I had our battles over the years. We really did. Um when it mattered and I thought he was a better person for the job and you got a choice coming down to two people. And I knew Obama was a rigid, radical ideologue that was never going to ever change and his policies would be bad for the country. And by the way, all my predictions were borne out. And I supported John McCain. And I know he said, you know, the hell with these people on talk radio. The hell with these people on cable news. And I'm like, really? You didn't hate me back in the days when you were running for president. But that's fine. It's, you know... Everyone trying to now use the death of President Bush to attack President Trump in the media. This is NBC News, despite the resentments between these two families. All right, you want it? And then the stylistic differences. I can play some of this. We have them, we'll play them later in the program. And I'm just thinking, you know, I watched the treatment of Ronald Reagan. In death, these people were so gracious. In life, they were. Horrific when it actually mattered, you know. They never saw the wisdom of of what Ronald Reagan sought to accomplish, and what he did for the economy, and how many jobs he created, and you know, bravely challenging Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, or you know, the things that were said and the allegations made, in Iran Contra, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, it matters to me more. How do you treat people in life? Not the things you're going to say in debt. To me, it's just phony. And now, you know, any of these men that I'm talking about, John McCain, Bush 41, Ronald Reagan, even Mitt Romney, who's now headed to the Senate, were treated horribly. John McCain dies, the nicest thing said by people, some of whom were like involved in destroying this man's character. You know, same with Reagan, same with Bush 41, same with Bush 43. Even Mitt Romney. And it's just it's it's a phoniness that they have that just it just fries me a little bit because it's you know, now they're doing it okay, well he was so nice. He was such a good guy. That's not what they were saying back in the day. Trust me. All right, a lot of news we're gonna get to today. Oh boy, you're gonna be mad. If you have young kids, Santa Claus, I'll probably have to give a disclaimer. Coming up straight ahead, Sean Hannity Show. Smoking is not about politics. It's about people. There are 34 million Americans that smoke. But for me, Juul was a game changer. Because you switch to Juul, it's simple, it's satisfying, and no more smell. I watch people all the time. They run outside in the freezing cold. and could be grabbing their cigarette. Well, with Juul, you'll take a quick puff and you're good. That's it. Now, Juul is designed with smokers in mind. From its form to technology, it's easy to use, no buttons, no switches. And the goal of Juul is to impact the lives of adult smokers by providing a satisfying alternative. Switch to Juul. You'll wish you had done it a long time ago. To discover the smoking alternative that is nothing like any e-cig vape you have ever tried, go to this website, Joule.com slash Switch America. That's J-U-U-L dot com slash Switch America. Warning, this product contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical. J-U-U-L dot com slash Switch America. All right. Twenty five till to the uh, top of the hour as we speak. Uh, Air Force One, The President Trump had sent the his plane to pick up uh, the family and the casket with the remains of uh President George Herbert Walker Bush had just landed, arrived, Joint Base Base Andrews. And uh, as we speak, uh, they're about to, the casket is about to come off Air Force One. Um, Some news, the president, meaning President Trump, is apparently expected to be at the rotunda tonight in the Capitol as the casket lies in state for the former president. Um, We expect that to happen. Uh, I have a really cool interview that I did with Bush 41 and Bush 43. I'm going to air some of this tonight on Hannity 9 Eastern if you want to hear it. I did have an opportunity to talk on another occasion to George Herbert Walker Bush uh, about his son, and this is a small part of it.
1: It's got to be harder to watch your son the president than to be president. It is far worse when they... go after your son, and I would say unfairly a lot of the time than when they used to, when I was in the cross crosshairs and would get condemned and criticized. So, some, even when I thought it was unfair about me, it hurts much more uh, when it's your own son. Yeah, and you Not made- even close call. Not even close,
0: because I, I think about my son, who's a lot younger than yours. But um, I would think that's got to be a lot harder,
1: and you may have to go through this one more time. You know, I just I just <laughs> talked to you, that
0: other son of yours in Florida. He's good.
1: He's he he's really got a lot good. of potential. Oh God, he's good, and they singled him out for two years ago as the number one target for the Democratic Party nationally, not just for governor, but for Senate. How Terry McAuliffe, for whom I don't. Well, put it this way, not very high on him, we came and, and made this the number one uh, number one uh, goal for the Democratic Party nationally, and Jeb won by 14 points. They did. They were, and the polls were a little
0: closer going yeah. into that election. That's right. And he won by a much wider margin, and uh, um, I guess made Mr. McAuliffe a little unhappy about that. You know, your son said something the other day that really struck me. He really did want to go to Washington and change the tone, something that he was able to accomplish in Texas. Yeah. Since he's been there, and I'm not talking
1: about the Michael Moores or the pundits no, no. on TV. Yeah, we'll get to him in a minute. Oh, well, good, hurry up.
0: <laughs> Have you heard the leaders of the Democratic Party that
1: shrill? I've heard them shrill, and I've heard some of our shrill in the past, but I've never felt the climate like it is now, uh, nor the shrillness of the political opposition. It hurts well yeah, you expect some of it, but when, when it's your son and they call him a liar, or when they when they impugn his motives, uh, it hurts a lot. Yeah. You, you, you think yeah. I feel strongly about it, talk to Barbara Bush. Of <laughs> <laughs> course, she just gets, tells me not to watch and all of that, but I can't. I can't not watch. You're engaged. I read recently that she won't read the New York Times anymore. And no, she doesn't. tells you to stop whining about it when you do read it. Yeah, I, well, I still read about it and I'm whining more. and much more publicly than I used to because I, I, I think they've gone too far. Uh, I think they're advocates uh, for the Democrats. I think they have lost their objectivity that they did have many years ago. I think there's a certain arrogance amongst a lot of their people. Uh, I think, you know, you expect this on the op ed page. Uh, You got people in there that smear George and slam him every day. But that's, you know, that's different. But when the news columns, when you see subjectivity creeping into the news columns, it concerns me. Yeah, I think they'll deny it's happening. And I say, well, too bad. I think it is.
0: I mean, that was just one of many interactions I've had the fortune of having with President George Herbert Walker Bush. And I think the best moment was when I interviewed him and George W. Bush together. It was a pretty special moment. You know, let me just say one thing as media people and pundits and TV people, and then I'll play it later in the program when we get back to the topic. But and and how they're basically using the death here of President Bush, 41, to attack President Trump, let me let me just dissuade anybody. I I understand the Bush family's resentments at times or maybe hostility even at times towards Donald Trump. But, you know, let me tell you something. George W. Bush went into South Carolina in a battle with John McCain, and it was brutal. It's just the nature of politics. Unfortunately, it's a blood sport. It's not beanball and if you don't have the fight in you or the ability to take on that criticism and fight back on some level some capacity you know you're going to get eaten alive and it's t- the only thing that frustrates me is I listen to all these never trumper people and some of them have been writing and commenting on conservatism throughout even my whole career or longer And it's just stylistically, they can't stand the current president. But I remind you, how did they treat McCain when it mattered in his life, when he was running for president? He was a racist. How did they treat Ronald Reagan, an amiable dunce and and a, a, a grade B actor? And, you know, another guy that they just bludgeoned him. Not as bad as today. It's never been this bad. And you just heard Bush forty one saying it was really bad when his son was president. It's it's worse, and the same thing for Mitt Romney. Binders of women. Somehow, I, I mean, it's stunning what they did to that man. And and let me tell you, Romney is one of these guys that is pretty. He's just decent to the core. I don't like what he did in the election, and I I, I kind of understand it. Maybe somebody. Has it doesn't understand a New York sensibility? I grew up in New York, but I also had the advantage of living in Rhode Island, New England, and living in California, and living in the South, um, in Alabama and Georgia, and and it has given me great perspective and been to almost every state now about the middle of the country, the red part of the country that is so much different than than. Than what you see in D.C., New York, L.A., and San Francisco. So it's a, it's a very it's a tough it's a tough sport. There's a lot at stake, and if you have a strong, passionate belief system that that if you if you believe in limited government, you're going to fight for it. You're going to take on a lot of incoming, and you know sometimes it does get personal. And I, I would assume at some point, I guess. You know, a lot of times differences eventually get put aside. I mean, Clinton and 41 used to go on tour together. And if you know, I know that that there was no way George W. Bush was going to criticize Barack Obama. I tried to get him to say something a <laughs> number of times. I never had any luck doing it. But um, but at the end of the day, for the people that step up, take the heat, it's nonstop and it's their calling their service, what they believe. So I think some people are just genuinely trying to do their best. It might be wrong on the policy. But I also think there are people that are just pure, power hungry. And that's a lot of the people in Washington. They love being called senator and congressman and governor, whatever it happens to be. And that's unfortunate too, because we don't benefit from that when they're looking out for themselves. right, a lot of other ground we're going to cover. As we speak, by the way, they are the casket is coming off of uh, Air Force One that President Trump had sent, landing now in, in Joint uh, Joint Base Andrews, on its way to the Capitol Rotunda. This is this is going to anger a lot of people. But if you're a parent, you have young kids in the car. You, I don't want you may not want your young kids to to hear this, but I think it's going to make you mad. So you got this school in New Jersey. It's called Cedar Hill Elementary School, and you get the substitute teacher comes in. And this is one of the things that just fries me about the entire educational system and this unholy alliance that exists between teachers unions and the Democratic Party to the point where New York City is paying literally hundreds and hundreds of teachers. that can't teach, but they can't fire them in case in some cases for literally having sexual contact with kids. You still can't fire them. Why they're not in jail is another question. But putting that aside, but the fact that you have a captive group of kids, usually it's in junior high, high school, college is the worst, where all these ex-hippies have gravitated for because the jobs might not maybe, I don't know. And they, they feel that they can take a captive audience and just indoctrinate them into their belief system. We spend more money per capita per student than any other country on earth. And we're like 37th in reading, writing, and math overall. It's pathetic. You know, there was once a famous study in the Reagan years, a nation at risk, that actually said that what has happened to the educational system in America, were it done by some outside entity or force, would be tantamount to an act of war. That's how bad it's gotten. You know, but mostly we've kind of left the really young kids alone, except to You can't play dodgeball anymore in school because if you play dodgeball, you're going to hit the kid with the ball and they may not like losing. You can't keep score because somebody's feelings are going to get hurt as if kids can't keep, kids are keeping score, whether they're allowed to or not. We beat you, we beat, you know, whatever. I mean, you can't choose sides because one kid that maybe is really smart in math and really more academically oriented, that's where the the natural gifts are. Well, that kid's going to feel bad that he's picked last. So You know, we'll just divide teams some random other way. I mean, it's gotten crazy. But think about this. So imagine you are sending your five, six-year-old kid to school. And you have a teacher is telling five and six-year-olds that Santa Claus isn't real. His reindeer aren't real. Telling them reindeer can't fly. Telling them Santa is not real and and parents can you lower this a little bit lower this a lot um just buying presents and putting them under the tree not some guy named santa with a red suit and a big all right i can't yeah all right so santa claus your parents are santa claus and then reindeer can't fly elves aren't real elf on the shelf is just a pretend doll that your parents move around and then she doesn't stop there then the teacher says the tooth fairy isn't real And mom and dad sneak into your room in the middle of the night when you're sleeping. They put the money under your pillow. And then the Easter Bunny, that doesn't exist either. And tells them magic doesn't exist. There's no such thing. This is a grown woman thinking she has the right to literally rob kids of the utter joy, anticipation, happiness of Santa. And thinking without any any sense that this might be wrong that you're going to crush a kid's spirit for christmas and it goes you go back to this whole war on christmas i mean bill o'reilly followed this for years and he was always right about it and as much as what he was saying is you can't you know stores say you it says christmas sale but you can't say or an employee can't say merry christmas And or telling these kids or feeling that you have the right to contradict deeply held values that you have. And whether it be about religion or about Santa or the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy. I mean, crushing five and six year olds. One woman was quoted in this article in New Jersey saying, my granddaughter came home and said, Mimi, Santa isn't real. The woman flipped out and explained, no, 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 Santa's real. Don't listen to the other kids. Real, didn't realize it was the teacher that said this. And the substitute teacher launches into a, you know, Grinch-like diatribe during what was supposed to be a writing activity. Now, when you think we don't teach kids to read and write, we spend more money per capita per student than any other country with, like, the worst results, the worst return on our investment than anybody else, and this is what happens. And it gets, you know, you see this everywhere. Like, for example, Hanukkah is going on right now. And when I see my friends that I know are Jews, I say, Happy Hanukkah. If I see my friends at Christmas, Merry Christmas. And if it so happens I got it wrong with a friend, they know what the spirit is behind it. I'm trying to be nice. Unlike Saturday Night Live, all they want for Christmas is for Mueller to lock up Trump. And the other option is a coup. And by the way, Sarah Palin had a great line. Suck it up, cupcake. <laughs> she said that to Joyless Behar after Kid Rock took a shot at her. And Joy Behar, Trump better save pardons for his kids. I'm just saying, listen, we're going to have to make some decisions here as a culture, as a society, as a country. You know, Stanford University told the Sigma Chi fraternity to remove its American flag. Why? Stanford, to improve their image. Administrator reportedly told the fraternity that the flag could be seen as intimidating, aggressive, and alienating. Is this, is this the country we want? The, the greatest generation of George Herbert Walker Bush, and people like my father that fought four years in World War II, and so many others in that what Tom Brokaw called the greatest generation. An American flag? We're going to we're going to now teach kids in college that that flag is seen as intimidating, aggressive and alienating. When all the our treasure, our kids blood shed, lives lost, limbs lost, you know, faces destroyed in war, no country ever accumulating more power and using it for the good than this one. And we're saying that in college to our kids. And we're telling five-year-olds that Santa doesn't exist. Because we, don't, we let them run away with the culture. There's no stopping them. And this is where I keep warning you. We have, uh, if we have a dual justice system, we don't apply the laws equally. We don't have equal justice under the law or equal application of our laws. We're going to lose it. And remember, Reagan said, you know, freedom is but one generation away from extinction. It's scary. All right, glad you're with us. Uh, Sean Hannity Show, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, so Air Force One has landed. It joins uh, base Andrews and the casket. And now hers carrying Bush 41 is en route to the Capitol Rotunda where he will lie in state. Uh, It's expected that the president, President Trump, will stop by sometime this evening. I I just heard in the 9 o'clock hour when I'm on Hannity. Uh, Obviously, we will will cover that. One of the things I want to share with you tonight is an interview I did with both Bush 41 and 43, which I think captures more of a love between father and son than anything else. Uh, Joining us now, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich is with us. Uh, How are you, sir? Good to have you back.
2: I'm doing well, and I think part of the reason for the great outpouring for President Bush is that he is the last of the World War II heroes, the youngest naval aviator, and I think his deep love for Barbara was a model for the whole country. So uh, it really is, in a sense, the passing of a generation of leadership.
0: I I think all of that's true. There's one little thing that irks me, and— And I bet it probably irks you as well. And I'm watching the media and I'm watching their coverage. And frankly, people that didn't treat him well at all, they're actually, oh, there's nothing bad they could ever say about him. And you know how he was treated in the course of his presidency. Oh, he can't. He doesn't even. So out of touch, he can't even use a grocery store uh, scanner because he doesn't know what it is. Or obviously Iran-Contra or you know, the Democrats kind of push and push and push, and he tries to compromise, but he broke a campaign pledge about read my lips, no new taxes. And they bludgeoned him with that. And they're also saying, well, he's such a good man. Now they're using his demeanor, which is obviously different than President Trump's, as if, you know, somehow 41 or 43 didn't know that presidential politics was a blood sport. After all, it was 41 that called Reaganomics voodoo economics and the runoff or the primary between President Bush in 43 and McCain in South Carolina was about as tough as it gets. And, you know, so this is part of politics, isn't it? Well, oh, part of it. Of course, look, if, if you
2: are a liberal and you have a chance after they die to say nice things, whether they did the same thing to Ronald Reagan. I mean, people who had despised Reagan for his entire career, you know, waxed eloquent and rhapsodic about him once he died. Uh, because it gives them the veneer of being reasonable and fair, uh but you know in both the case of uh you know, President Reagan and President Bush, uh the same liberals did everything they could to defeat them uh and uh, I think that 's just part of where we are as a country i mean we we you should you should never and you don't of course, but no one listening to us should ever kid themselves
0: about where the left is and what the left's trying to accomplish. Oh, they did the same thing with John McCain. I mean, and when John McCain, when it would have mattered to say nice things about him during, when he ran for president in 08, which, by the way, I supported him over Obama, and I was glad to, and I was ended. Up, I think I ended up being proven right how disastrous Obama's rigid ideology would be for the country and his policies would be, but same with John McCain. And the look at what they did to poor Mitt Romney. Look at how they treated Reagan. Look at how they treated Bush. But you die, they may even say a nice thing or two about you or me. But who knows?
2: They're not no, I saying it now. I, I wouldn't go overboard. Uh, and, and I'm not my telling case. my children. I'm not children to wait in any expectation. But uh, no, but you know, Senator McCain is a great example because Senator McCain got great press until he got the nomination, and then for four or five months, and I think. I know he was just deeply hurt and frustrated because for four or five months uh, the left-wing media went after him and sided with Obama, and these are, he thought these had all been his friends. And then it didn't work. You know, they, they ended up uh, uh, doing everything they could to defeat him.
3: Yeah.
2: And I think that's just part of it. And, you know, and I, I also do think, I mean, let's be clear, as much as you and I think that President Trump is a historic figure and is changing the country from the standpoint of the of the elites uh the country club set uh president george hw bush was just a you know a kinder and milder and and nicer person he he fit naturally into that group
0: look he deserves all the credit the reaganomics which he did call voodoo economics in the primary but you know what they got along great The, the team of Reagan and Bush 41 was an amazing team. And you know what? All the things that we love, we cut taxes. 21 million new jobs were created. Longest period of peacetime economic growth. And you want to talk about inheriting a bad economy. Nobody inherited a worse economy than Ronald Reagan and George Bush. Uh, But when it came time to take the gloves off and bludgeon George Herbert Walker Bush, you know, some of the people saying nice things today were nowhere to be found. They wanted them out then, just like they want Trump out now.
2: Yeah. By the way, that reminds me, one of the interesting uh, side notes of where we are today. Um, People on the left talk about, you know, Trump not being popular. He's at about 44 percent approval, despite two years of overwhelmingly negative press coverage. Ronald Reagan, in January of 1983, was at 35 percent approval. And the darling of the left, uh, President Macron of France, is currently at twenty six percent approval. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show you, uh, sometimes the people see past the media.
0: Well, you know, and look, there's sometimes the right people, right place, right time. I mean, I, I'm watching people now, this Never yeah. Trumper crowd in particular, that they they they're so they're, they're with the leftists, they're with Schumer, they're with Pelosi, they're with you know Maxine, impeach forty five, and getting their faces and and follow them in the grocery stores etc and i'm listening to them and i'm like these are people that wrote for longer than i've even been on radio which is now my 30th year about the need for lower taxes well that's trump uh conservative justices originalists that's trump energy independence that's trump uh securing our borders that's trump um uh, all of these accomplishments that he's had that you wrote about chronicled really well in your book. And not only that piece through strength, that's Trump. Um, look at this. Despite, this, despite it, everything
2: they're just, trying to do with Mueller, n- notice yeah. he's been tougher with Putin, uh, Trump or Obama. And it's clearly Trump. Yeah. And Trump I, has been much tougher with Putin than anybody else uh, and gets zero credit for it from the left.
0: What do you think of the president? Now, the two things that I think happened that nobody's paying any attention to. One is the president was able to extract a number of concessions from the Chinese in exchange for not imposing new tariffs on Chinese goods, a major agreement while meeting with the world's leaders at the G20 in Argentina, but they spoke for two and a half hours, longer than previously scheduled, amazing and productive is how it was described, and, you know, immediately China began buying more agricultural products from America, along with a pledge to purchase more industrial and energy products. And also, it looks like a report that, you know, the Trump auto tariff tweet lifts the stocks and Beijing's been silent. But, you know, we have a better deal with our European allies. We have a better deal with NATO. People are now paying more of their fair share. We have a better deal with Canada and Mexico. Now a better deal with China. Oh, and by the way, the president's being tough with Iran He's being tough with everybody in the Middle East moving the embassy to Jerusalem. North Korea's obviously moved in quite a big direction, and you're right about Russia. This is unprecedented movement by, yeah, somebody that's a disruptor, a little bit louder, and breaks some dishes. So what?
2: Well, no, not so what. That, that technique is working. I'm, look, if he had not been as tough as he was uh, with uh, Kim Jong-il, I am confident that we would not be seeing any movement. If he hadn't been prepared, and, and this is very much... The Trump model, if you read uh, his, his book, uh, The Art of the Deal, the Trump model is to be personally friendly while being very tough in negotiations and to keep the two separate. So he and, and Xi Jinping, I think, have actually developed a reasonably good personal relationship while well, he has said to him, look, you know, you don't cut a deal. I'm just going to have to get tougher and tougher because I represent America. And you have been ripping us off. And I think it was a clear signal that Xi Jinping decided uh, it was very much not to their interest to get involved in a head on
0: knockdown drag out fight with the United States. I think that Trump's proven he can he's willing to engage in the fight. And if you're if he didn't have believability then there's no way NATO is going to step up and pay their fair share. We're paying 72 right. cents of every dollar, and countries like Germany are making Putin rich again with energy deals. That's ridiculous. Right. So um, I remember,
2: also, the book he wrote was the art of the deal, not the art of the fight. He doesn't start a fight to have a fight. He starts a fight to move you to a position where you're going to get a better deal.
0: But, you know, but that's the whole thing. Nobody seemed—I've told many of my conservative friends who were so worried about trade issues with Donald Trump, I said he doesn't want a trade war. He doesn't want tariffs. What he wants is freer, fairer trade. And if you don't convince the people that you're negotiating with that you're going to walk, what's going to happen? They're never going to give in. And then the bad deals that have been accumulating over the years that cost the American taxpayers uh, billions of dollars and jobs and opportunities. Guess what? Now we're getting them back. Now we have better trade deals. Now they're freer and fairer.
2: No American president has negotiated
0: as many economic deals
2: in as many different countries as Trump did while he was a businessman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why you see Trump Towers in places like Panama City. Uh, and, um, you, know, we, you know, we saw them uh, They're building a new Trump Tower down in Uruguay, which I think is now Eric's project. But, you know, so this is a guy who understands that you have to have you have to understand the country you're negotiating with. You have to understand the local system. And you got to figure out a deal that makes mutual profit, because if you don't both gain something in the long run, it's a bad deal.
0: It's got to be win-win. So, Agree.
2: Yeah. Let uh, me ask you well, about.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, man. No. Um, um. You're watching the issue of Robert Mueller. There's we're going to have a lot of news at the top well, later on in the program today, but you have some updates. One article came out today and actually suggesting that there's no end in sight. You know the Co- Cone and Manafort developments. You know that's going to keep Mueller's probe going deep into 2019. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. No, that there's never going to be. Gonna, and now all I am, the.
2: I am writing a paper. This came. This came out of doing your TV show the other night, and I was trying to. This was right after the Cohen, you know, news, and I was trying to figure out how to put this in context because it's so nutty. And I and I finally concluded, and I'm writing a paper that we should rename this. Um, the Mueller Destroy Trump Project. This is not an investigation. This has nothing to do with an investigation. This This is Mueller doing everything he can to destroy the president of the United States. And it's one of the reasons I made the point that Trump is more popular today than Reagan was at this point, and he is more popular today than Macron of France. And that there's no legitimate basis.
0: The, by the way, the Harris the poll agency. had him at 48 percent the other day, last week.
2: Okay, so so here you have a guy who won constitutionally. 48 percent of the country favors him, despite two years of unending negative press. And Mueller has taken him upon himself as the agent of the establishment to destroy him. And I, uh, there was a column written by by somebody at the Post that had absolutely captured it when they pointed out that. Trump thought he was going to Buenos Aires to a really positive event, and then Mueller messed it up. And this person said, you know, Mueller does this over and over again that deliberately. Well, that, that is such a total violation of our entire system. By what right does this guy go out of his to try to destroy the President of the United States?
0: Well, look, I, I think you, and maybe there's a, only a handful of us that have seen through Mueller and his team from the get-go. I remember back a year ago, it was. Oh no, it's going to all be over right, right after, um, right after Thanksgiving. It's done. Right after Christmas. Right after the New Year. Right after March. Right after April. Yeah. Right after the Fourth. It's. Right. I don't. And I look at the team he hired. No, it's not. And I don't see right. anything that warrants the continuation of this at all.
2: You, you know, when he was first appointed, I tweeted a very positive tweet based on I his remember. background, his no. record. And then I watched him hire people like Weissman and every single person he hired was a, was a left-wing cutthroat prosecutor. And I began to realize this, this guy was building a hunting party that, that, uh, if, and anybody who, who doesn't believe me read Sidney Powell's amazing book on license, license, license to, lie to lie about the, about yep. the justice department. Um, Scary. And, and, and these guys, you know, I mean, I mean, Weissman was described by, by one of the, uh, Justice Department of People as a terror, uh, and this was back uh, involving a different case, the Arthur Anderson case, where the Supreme Court, by nine to zero, repudiated the prosecution, but in the process, they had destroyed the company and put 85,000 people out of work. All true. And these are the kind of guys we're dealing with, and I yeah. think uh, I queued off of two people, uh, Alan Bershowitz, the Harvard Law Professor, and Andy McCarthy, the former prosecutor for the Justice Department. And they both have been saying over and over again, where's the underlying crime? I mean, if you look at the things that Cohen lied about, and, and he shouldn't lie, and it's perfectly appropriate to punish people who lie to Congress or who lie in oath. So I'm well, not I defending to... him at all. if well, you look at the underlying question, nothing that has been alleged about Trump was, was illegal.
0: I got to let it go there, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. We appreciate your time as usual. Well said.
4: TREATED PEOPLE WITH RESPECT AND DIGNITY AND PUT COUNTRY AHEAD OF PARTY AND SELF TIME AND TIME AGAIN OVER HIS HALF CENTURY IN PUBLIC SERVICE. HALF CENTURY. OVER THE LAST TWO YEARS, DEVIANCY HAS CONTINUED BEING DEFINED DOWN BY THIS CURRENT PRESIDENT, HIS CRONIES, HIS SUPPORTERS WHO LOVE TELLING REPORTERS THAT, that THEY DON'T CARE HOW DEVIANT HIS BEHAVIOR BECOMES. LET'S SEE WHAT HAPPENS AT WEDNESDAY'S MEMORIAL SERVICE. My prediction is that Trump fakes more respect for a family whose unprecedented history of public service has repeatedly belittled. Then he goes back to making a mockery of the very office George Bush and this nation long revered. Just as President Bush's character was set even during his earliest days at Andover with the stories that you all have told, Donald Trump remains the man, think about this, the man he was while avoiding the draft and then telling Howard Stern on the radio that sleeping around with women in New York City while avoiding sexual diseases was his own personal Vietnam. He said that. As is always the case, the presidency does not shape character. It reveals it in a raw fashion. And that is why we celebrate George H.W. Bush's legacy and fear the next two years of Mr. Trump's wild White House ride.
3: I want to say one thing about him that was not picked up really, because as a candidate he said those who think we're powerless to do anything about the greenhouse effect are forgetting about the White House effect. And then he signed into law the Clean Air Act Amendment of 1990, one of the most sweeping environmental statutes ever. This president that we have now, is trying to unravel everything that he did and Obama did. And if I ever become a one-issue voter, it will be about pollution and the greenhouse effect. And, and can the we fact focus that- on the president, yeah. please?
5: I, I, know, just, I don't want to talk about Trump what's- at well, when We're in a moment, moment so of, honoring a great
3: president path. please. I, I want to talk about. We're different- honoring, but I'm not interested in your one-issue voter. I don't voter care what you're interested in. I'm well, talking. I don't care you what you're what? interested Damn in. We'll be right back.
0: Another great moment, I guess, on The View. 25 now to the uh, top of the hour, 800 941 If you want to be a part of the program, uh, Ari Fleischer is with us. Of course, he was the White House Press Secretary under uh, President George W. Bush, Bush 43. And uh, he joins us. He wrote a column today that really captured my attention, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. It is amazing how short people's memories are. And the same thing happened with President Reagan for eight years democrats bludgeoned him and in death they say just the opposite you know remember iran contra remember all that they said you know they mocked the fact that george herbert walker bush they said we gotta get this deal done he he made a deal with democrats that did raise taxes and they bludgeoned him with that even though that's what they wanted and now in death What do we have here? The media's love for George H.W. Bush that didn't exist when it mattered, when he was alive, when he was president, is more about hatred for Donald Trump, as you just heard. Harry Fleischer, how are you, sir? Great to be with you, Sean. Um, You know, look, for me, um, well, let's go into the analysis that you have, that the, the media, Democrats, they're praise of George Herbert Walker Bush. And by the way, the man deserves nothing but praise. His whole life was about service to his country Uh, from a young age, uh, ambassador to China, CIA director, loyal, wonderful VP for eight years, president for four years. And I'm listening to the people that bludgeoned him all 12 years that he was in DC in that capacity. And, you know, now he's the greatest guy that ever lived because the guy we have now is horrible.
6: You nailed it, Sean. And, and, you know, Charles Hurd who wrote that op-ed piece nailed it. And I, I, totally agree with it. Here's the problem, and i lived through the Bush years when I was a press secretary on Capitol Hill in Washington. The press back then crucified George H.W. Bush for the very things they're today praising him for. They called him patrician. They called him out of touch. They called him part of the old noblesse oblige that is part of an era long gone by. Today in his death, now they are praising the things that they back then used as a hammer to talk about how out of touch he was, including The New York Times story about him not even knowing how to read a cash register at a supermarket. Yeah, remember that part? Of him being out of touch. And now you would have them, everybody believe, and I'm glad they're covering him like this today. I wish they only did it when he was in office. What a decent, good man he is who represents some of the highest ideals of America about service noblesse oblige, and giving to your country. Now they praise him for it.
0: You know, it's funny because I I noticed the same thing happened with with John McCain. Um, If you go back and John McCain's political run, you know, and it's interesting from my perspective also, because when John McCain came back after he'd had his surgery, and we, and by the way, which I thought was an act of courage and bravery, and the five years he spent in Vietnam, I can't do anything but praise a man that, you know, had an opportunity to leave because of his name and didn't, and had bones broken in five long years, I mean it's It's heroic. There's nothing there's no other way to describe it. but um I supported him and went to battle for him as hard as I could when he was running. Uh, because I believed, and I still believe today he would have been a far superior president than what Barack Obama was and what he represented. And I think the truth bears out that I was pretty right about Obama being a pretty radical left-wing, indoctrinated leftist, and, and he's going to stick to those policies. And he didn't show the trajectory of growth, for example, that I think Clinton showed at, at times in his presidency. But the point is, then John McCain goes back and he bludgeons conservatives, those people on talk radio and, and cable news, to hell with them. He actually said those words, but he kind of liked us when he was running. But I never thought it was personal. And then all these accolades coming from the people that called him a racist in that campaign.
6: Yeah, that's right.
0: And everything else in between. And I'm like, Wow.
6: I mean, how things are reversed. And they'll do the same thing now with Mitt Romney. They were terrible to Mitt Romney when he ran for president. And and not not to project ahead, but when Mitt Romney is no longer with us, they're going to praise Mitt Romney for these same reasons. Look, Sean, I, I I come from Bush world. I come from establishment politics. I'm much closer, as you know, to that way of thinking than I am to the Donald Trump way of thinking. But I walk in both worlds with my eyes open. And here's what I say. One of the big reasons that the American people, particularly Republican Party, rose up and wanted a Donald Trump is because they were sick and tired of people who weren't able to fight back. There's a graciousness of Republicanism. It was represented by George H.W. Bush, John McCain, Mitt Romney, my old boss George W. Bush, not to the same degree as his father, because George W. Bush was a bit more of a punch back, a punch, uh, willing to punch and engage and fight than his father. But one of the things I hear all the time from Republicans is that Donald Trump at least fights. He knows the press will never be fair, never give you a fair shake, and so he'll fight back. And if only you Bushies had done that. I hear that all the time from people.
0: By the way, that's interesting you say, because I hear that all the time, too. And then on the other side of
6: it, people are saying, well, could he fight just a little bit less? Well, there's, and I think that's valid as well, Sean. I mean, there's a hand on a dial here, isn't there? How much do you fight to be the best fighter and to be the most effective? And we can argue about where the hand on the dial belongs. But the point I'm making is Republicans know that the press will go after Republicans with everything they got when it counts, when they're in office, and they're not fooled when the press then starts to praise you after you're gone and it's too late. We know that about the press. You know, you're bringing up
0: a lot of great points here. And you're saying, uh, you see, as a conservative, I've often been so disappointed. And not with the Bushes as much as with Republicans in Congress for not having even the health care promise, the 65 votes to repeal or replace health care when it doesn't matter. And then when it matters, about 100 of them in the House were nowhere to be found. They never really had the intention of doing the hard work or the in 2015 You know, they're they're in the Senate and they're willing to repeal only Obamacare. But when it mattered two years later, they weren't willing to do it. Seven of them changed their votes on the exact same language. And that's why I'm a registered conservative. I think that, you know, different times call for different things. And I think that, you know, in many ways, the establishment side of the Republican Party, and I'm a registered conservative, has they they created Donald Trump.
6: No no question about it. There's no question about it. different times call for different things, and that's true from the history of our country. Mm-hmm. We react to the era and we're in. We learn lessons from it. We move to a slightly different era or a largely different era, and maybe sometimes we swing back. We've always been like that because we're a self-correcting democracy. But the broader point here goes back to George H.W. Bush. He was gracious. He was decent. He was kind, and the press never covered him that way in life. By the Only way, that's
0: all true. Day. And then, by the way, the same. I I always loved forty three. I thought to this day, I think that he he was the right guy to deal with nine eleven. Yeah. And look at how they bludgeoned him over nine eleven. I mean, it was it was it was awful at times. And not saying that he made every right decision thereafter and we can look back in history and maybe had we known things, if, if we could see the future, we'd make different decisions. Here's what I want to understand though, because you're right in every all your observations. How is it though, Donald Trump, if we put style aside, Donald Trump yeah. on justices and, and judges, Donald Trump on tax cuts, Donald Trump on eliminating burdensome regulation, Donald Trump on issues like energy independence. We're now pretty much an energy independent country if we want to be. Uh, on the borders, on the concept of peace through strength, um, a guy that puts America first and we got to get our own house in order. If we really want to help other people around the world, then we don't exactly always we don't have every American working yet, but we're getting there. These principles work and people that said their whole political lives as pundits or or writers or observers of politics that say they're Republican conservative, they hate him only over style and will never even acknowledge that what he is doing is the very things that they advocated for in some cases 20 or 30 years.
6: Well that's a, there's a simple answer to that Sean. Presidents get graded on two levels. one is substance, what they do what they do, but the other is symbolic And the symbolism of who represents our country is tremendously important to many people and that symbolism represents a lot of dreams, hopes, wishes, and the embodiment of personal values and virtues that people want to extend into that one person who represents the entire country. And that's the symbolic area of the office where it comes down to the president's fight and the way he goes after his opponents, the words he uses, Charlottesville, those type of symbols that people look to the president to be the leader of all Americans for. And given the press's animosity to President Trump, it's doubly hard for President Trump. But I'm with you on substantively. I can't see anybody making an intellectual argument against what President Trump yep. has done. You see, this is where I. You, but you really do stand
0: out, though. I mean, you have you have made an effort to study and understand Donald Trump. I really believe that. Yep. And and I'm sure you wince at times that maybe something that he tweets out or a shot that he takes or whatever. He, um, but at the end of the day, for me. Um, I care too much about the people of the country. And if you got to break a few dishes and offend a few people to get things done that weren't getting done and to, you know, four and a half million new jobs are created. We we have eight few million fewer people on food stamps and in poverty in America. Um, I care more about them than I do about the feelings of the media or maybe some establishment Republicans, because that's not their way of getting it done when, frankly, they didn't get it done.
6: Well, and this is why I've never been a never-Trumper. I've always Mm -hmm. gone into this with my eyes open and trying to be a good analyst as opposed to an advocate. And I'm willing to call it the way I see it. If I think the president's gone too far and said something that is hurtful, I will call him on it, such as when President President Trump made fun of President George H.W. Bush over points of light. I said back then, I don't mind that President Trump's a fighter. I do mind that he can be rude. I didn't like that. I'll praise President Trump when he deserves praise just as he did at the G20 and what he's accomplishing with China which is monumental. To monumental. The of our country. The, uh, well and North so, Korea but
0: stay right there I don't mean to interrupt you we'll we'll pick it up on that point. Ari Fleischer is uh with us uh, media consultant also uh, White House press secretary under President George W Bush 43 as we uh, continue we really have I had a great interview with both 41 and 43 together and it, it, this only happened twice now in American history where father and son become president. Amazing interview. Um, I will say this, the love that they clearly have for each other is inspiring. It's it's a father-son relationship, from my perspective, and on the highest level imaginable. Right as we continue, Ari Fleischer is with us, remembering George Herbert Walker uh, Bush. Uh, have you spoken to the Bush family?
6: Anybody? 43? I haven't. I was with former President George W. Bush about two months ago, and I was. it's interesting because I asked him how his dad was doing, and he didn't give a direct answer to the question. Uh, he mm-hmm. talked about his mom and, and, and what her death met, uh, but I have not spoken to him since.
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, he's getting the treatment that he deserves, um, and I know that the president is expected, I guess, tonight, I think during my hour, to actually go over to the Capitol Rotunda, where um, he will pay his respects. I'm sure the First Lady will be with him. Uh, Ari Fleischer, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. And uh, listen, I don't see you have a great holiday, and we'll talk soon. Same to you, Sean. All the best. All right. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Why is Comey's lawyers now putting out legal challenges to squash congressional subpoenas? Is James Comey in any legal jeopardy? We'll get into that. David Schoen, Greg Jarrett, and uh, we'll get a lot of your calls in. I'm going to get back to my Santa bad teacher story, which is so outrageous. I, it makes my blood boil. How do you tell kids at five years old, oh, the Santa Claus doesn't exist? That none of that's true. What is wrong with people? Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Stay
7: right here for our final news roundup and information overload. The president tweeted on Friday after I got fired that I better hope there's not tapes I woke up in the middle of the night on Monday night, because it didn't dawn on me originally, that there might be corroboration for our conversation, there might be a tape, and my judgment was I needed to get that out into the public square, and so I asked a friend of mine to share the content of the memo with a reporter. Didn't do it myself for a variety of reasons, but I asked him to because I thought that might prompt the appointment of a special counsel.
0: Unbelievable. Um, A lot of news on the front as it relates to the deep state. Uh, Why was the FBI director, he had a legal challenge that he ended up withdrawing, sought seeking to quash a congressional subpoena that would compel him to testify in secret about the bureau's decisions on the investigations ahead of the 2016 presidential election. Uh, more specifically, I'm sure it has to do with the fact that they changed the actual wording. They were writing an exoneration in May, early May 2016, to Hillary Clinton, the server that she had in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet. He had the one with top secret classified special access program information on it, which is a v- clear violation of the a- Espionage Act. I mean, if Paul Manafort's going to get in trouble for you know, putting false information on a loan application and Papadopoulos is going to go to jail for two weeks for lying to the FBI and a 30 plus year military servant, Lieutenant General Flynn, if he's going to go to jail for God knows how long, and he has to plead to lying to the FBI when the FBI didn't think he lied, then I'm thinking that maybe Comey has to answer for, why did you let her off the hook? And how many other Americans get away with, oh, let's delete the emails, bleach pit the hard drives, and and beat the crap out of the devices so that we don't have to comply with a congressional subpoena. Anyway, so Comey finally agrees to sit down. We have uh, Jerome Corsi, who spent an hour with us last week, uh, earlier today, filing a, a criminal An ethics complaint against Robert Mueller and his team accusing the investigators of trying to bully him into giving false testimony, which gets to the heart of what we call the Sammy the Bull Gravano. You tell us what we want and we're going to get you a get out of jail free card. And that is a very scary scenario for the rest of the world, in my opinion. We can't have, oh, we'll bribe you. And Giuliani is now accusing Mueller of pressuring pressuring witnesses to lie, which is exactly what's happening. Anyway, joining us to uh, get to the latest developments on all this, David Schoen, civil liberties attorney, criminal rights, uh, criminal defense attorney, Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, author of the number one bestseller The Russia Hoax. Uh, Welcome both of you. Let's start with you, Greg, and let's talk about Comey and his decision and withdrawing his legal challenge. Uh, What do you think is going on? Well, Comey
7: is a crafty and cunning guy. He's as slippery as an eel. Uh, And look at what he's done. He twisted the law to clear Hillary Clinton when he knew she committed crimes. Then he launched an investigation of Trump without evidence. Then he lied to a FISA court to spy on a Trump associate. Then he stole government documents and leaked them to the media to trigger the special counsel, who's his pal. And then he continuously has given deceptive answers to Congress. Uh, You know, if anybody should be charged with making a false or misleading statement, it should be Comey 10 times over. So it'll be interesting to see how he holds up under cross-examination in front of uh, Congress, and we'll know the results within 24 hours.
0: In a radio interview on Sunday, Giuliani accused Robert Mueller, David Schoen, of pressuring witnesses to lie. Now, that pretty much is what was described in detail on this program by Jerome Corsi. Now, bo- Both Jerome Corsi and Roger Stone have repeated to me that they never, ever, in their lives, ever, had any contact with WikiLeaks, a representative of WikiLeaks, a third party associated with WikiLeaks, or Julian Assange. Now, if that's the case... If they're sending emails back and forth and wondering what else WikiLeaks might have, which was, frankly, the widespread speculation after the DNC emails dropped, um, would that be a crime? Is that something nefarious? Is that anything outside of the ordinary when it comes to politics, especially when you compare it to Hillary Clinton, you know, hiring a foreign national to put together a dossier full of Russian lies that were fed to the American people and used to bludgeon Donald Trump?
5: right. You're 100% right. But listen, the underlying issue here that you've put your finger on is absolutely huge. This Jerome Corsi thing uh, is sensational, frankly. I don't know that it'll go anyplace. Uh, If they indict and there's an ongoing criminal case, then it's going to be very difficult and they're going to be hesitant to interfere with that. On the other hand, because it's an ethics complaint, clearly the Justice Department could do something. This is where the overseer of the special counsel must act. You have Whitaker in there now. He has the authority and I would say even the obligation to act. When he learns about this kind of conduct, which was completely to be expected, when you have a team of people like Mueller, Weissman, Andres, Re, etc., this has been their M.O. throughout their careers. Go keep, tell us what we want. You get off. Don't tell us what we want. You're going to have more trouble than you ever could have imagined. That's not about getting to the But,
0: but, but let me just That's add some it. context to that. That is exactly what Jerome Corsi told us, David, this week. He said he, that he was told exactly what they wanted him to say. Now he's 72 years old, and he, could, he knows he's risking potentially his life in jail. By the way, so is Paul Manafort. I don't know, but how old is Manafort? He's got to be close to 70, right? So Manafort comes up with a cooperation deal after he had the partial convictions in the the one trial that took place to avoid the other trial. And now we hear that Mueller is just out for blood. I mean, how many more, how many years do you want to put Manafort in jail? You want to guarantee that he dies in jail because of taxes and and a bank loan fraud i mean is, if that's what the, if that's what the penalty is i guess that's what he's going to get it's called the justice system this is a complete injustice
5: nobody out there believes that this is how they operate day to day i am telling you this is what these people have made a career of doing in the run of the mill cases that don't get the attention this is getting nobody's done much in the past like Corsi has done now it's he's at least putting it out there whether it goes any place or not is putting it out there. And I believe within the Justice Department, they have an obligation to find out if this is happening, you know that it is, and to rein it in immediately and to stop the special counsel from doing this or get rid of them.
0: Well, we've been saying it for a long time. Now, I'm assuming here, it was an article that came out, no end in sight, Cone Manafort development seen as keeping Mueller probe going well into 2019. So I guess now we've got a two-year process in this, Greg Jarrett, but yet... You know, people ask me, well, why do you keep bringing up Hillary Clinton? Because, well, if you don't – Hillary Clinton, who pays for Russian lies that are disseminated by top intelligence officials within our government to the American people before the election and then used to commit fraud to get warrants to spy on a Trump campaign associate and they don't do the proper vetting and corroboration – then that's fraud on the FISA court four separate times, and then when it's used in a media leak strategy as part of an insurance policy by top FBI people that think that Hillary should win $100 million to zero and were also involved in her exoneration before investigation, I'm thinking that it's pretty relevant if we're going to consider principles of equal justice under the law and equal application of our laws.
7: The only collusion with Russia involved Hillary Clinton. Clinton paid for Russian information— Fed it to the FBI and the Department of Justice, who used it to launch an investigation fraudulently and in violation of their regulations, and then used it to spy on a Trump associate. Uh, Yet there is no investigation that we're aware of, no legitimate investigation of Hillary Clinton, Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele, uh, James Comey, and the whole gang of corrupt individuals at the FBI and the Department of Justice. And yet, uh, juxtapose the investigation of trump there's no evidence that he ever colluded or had an agreement of conspiracy or coordination with russians to win the election
0: no but, evidence but there are but there whatsoever. are two tracks though that Mueller is obviously taking if they can tie anybody that knows donald trump whether they communicated with him or not and in the case of roger stone he said absolutely not that They can somehow tie him to some knowledge of the WikiLeaks release. Well, if Donald Trump didn't steal it and Donald Trump didn't conspire to steal it, my reading of the Pentagon Papers ruling and 6-3 Supreme Court decision is that they would have as much right to get that information as the New York Times has a right to get it and print it. Sure.
7: It, of course, he did exactly what I did. I reached out to WikiLeaks and Julian Assange to get more information. It's did you get it? It's not a crime it? to do that. No, I got nowhere, like uh, hundreds of journalists. What uh, coro- uh, I agree with David that what. Jerome By the way, Corsi- I don't mean to brag, but
0: but I I got somewhere. I got an interview. I got radio and <laughs> yeah, TV you interviews. Did. You're
7: the only one who got anywhere. I'm not and- bragging
0: or anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> But
7: Jerome Corsi has now laid out a complaint with the Department of Justice that Mueller is trying to get him to sign on to a lie, to agree to a narrative that uh, Mueller has conjured out of thin air of Trump-Russian collusion. And Corsi won't do it. He said, I'm not going to lie about this. And apparently Manafort is doing the same thing. This is test line. It's bribery. It's extortion, intimidation, threats. And judicial bullying, and the person who should be held responsible is Robert Mueller and his team of partisans.
0: Well, if, if that's the case, and, you know, it is bribery. It is a thing of value, and I, I understand bribery. prosecutorial discretion, but there's a difference You know, when you see a person and you go looking for a crime here and you're willing to say to a guy that is going to jail, maybe for the rest of their life, you tell us what we want and we're going to we're going to we're going to take that jail issue away for you. That's a pretty large incentive for most people. Uh, What do you want me to say? Okay, I'm Sammy the Bull. I murdered, what, 19 people. David, you do these cases. He murdered 19 people, but he testifies against Gotti and some other top mob guys and he gets a witness protection program house in Arizona. Pretty good deal. No jail time for 19 murders or time served yeah. when he was first caught.
5: Yeah. L- listen, legitimately, it is called obstruction of justice. You don't see it prosecuted because all of these folks are in it together. On the state level, you know, the state DA is elected and they all work together, etc. You have an opportunity now to really send a message. Again, Whitaker, under the special reg- regulations, and the special counsel regulations has an obligation to oversee all of this and to rein him in specifically the regulations provide for him to call back contact conduct that's inappropriate and to report that then to congress um this is an opportunity now uh, he's independent from muller that's you know the nature by definition and when he hears about this happening he must investigate he must take action, even if the courts try to stop it, because it's interfering with a well, case against Corsi. Whitaker has an independent obligation to get into it.
0: Well, there's a, a story out today that Mark Warner, the Democrat from Virginia, and that he has sent a number of referrals to Bob Mueller, and he said this in a Sunday Sunday interview, and it signals, you know, the quote, "If you lie to Congress, and I'm your chairman." Chairman Burr on Friday said, if you lie to Congress, we're going after you. Now, I had a whole list of people that had lied to Congress that have gotten away, from it, gotten away with it time after time. The only person I know that's ever been held accountable is Michael Cohen.
7: Yeah, and, and uh, by the way, you know, Christopher Steele, who phonied up this dossier that was used to damage Trump, a whole pretext for the investigation of Trump. He lied to the FBI agents. Why isn't there an outstanding indictment in order for extradition for Christopher Steele? Why? He lied to the FBI when he said, I never talked to the media. Clearly, he did talk to the media about the dossier. He and uh, Fusion GPS founder Glenn Simpson were feeding this. Simpson, by the way, has taken the fifth against self-incrimination. And so why aren't there charges and prosecutions and indictments against these individuals why hasn't this no. been presented to a grand jury
0: stay right there yeah. more, more greg jarrett david shown on the other side uh i'm going to get back to this issue of these this teacher corruption that is now abounds everywhere sadly in just a minute right as we continue with david Schoen and greg jarrett uh i have only have about 30 seconds left each and and we're going to get to calls and by the way teachers telling five-year-olds that Santa doesn't exist. Um, Do you think both Warner and Burr really mean it for those people that we know that lied to Congress, Greg? Are they really going to bring in all those Clinton people and charge them? I doubt it.
7: No, of course not. No, they never will. Hillary Clinton gave deceptive answers on numerous occasions under oath. She deceived the FBI during her interview. She'll never be held accountable unless there is a new appointed and confirmed attorney general like a John Radcliffe, who's a congressman from Texas. He would clean house. And hold those accountable. Why do you have so much confidence in him? Broken the
0: law. All right, well, let me give David the last 30. We'll talk about that later. Um, what do you think? Are, they, are all these people going to be held accountable? Because I doubt it. It seems the Clintons, we have a two tier justice system, David.
5: Absolutely. And they absolutely will not be held accountable by that Congress. Uh, listen, we saw it with when, Strick, when he testified. People like Jerry Nadler made him out to be a hero. They're not looking for the truth. Let me say this this Comey situation offers a great opportunity. They have to be prepared this time. They had struck making them look like monkeys last time. They must be prepared to ask him the tough questions. He has a lot to answer for Comey, and he can't make it a circus in public like he wants to do. Get him under oath and lock him in. Have some people who know how to ask questions asking him the questions. Even the IG noted Comey's uh, conduct in the slow rolling, the wiener uh, laptop business, all of those kinds of things, the
0: leaks. Listen, I, I hope I hope it happens, but i got to be honest. I don't I have a lot of confidence. All right, David, thank you, and uh, happy Hanukkah, my friend, by the way. And, Greg, uh, thank you, and uh, happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas to everybody, too. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. Quick break, right back. Your calls, yeah, they're trying to tell five-year-olds now in school Santa doesn't exist. Really? You want to take all fun out of kids' lives completely? They can't keep score? Now they can't do this. Can't play dodgeball. Somebody might get hit. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800 941 Sean toll-free telephone number. I'm going to get to your calls here, the story I mentioned earlier. By the way, little disclaimer here. If you have kids in the car, you may want to monitor the volume a little bit as you drive because we're talking about a teacher that said some really dumb things to five- and six-year-olds. Can you believe this teacher in New Jersey? I mean, it's, a, it's Cedar Hill Elementary School, and... You know, you got this New Jersey substitute teacher. These are five and six-year-olds. And she's telling them Santa doesn't exist, Santa Claus doesn't exist, and his reindeer aren't real. And it gets worse. She goes on and on, and unleashing on five- and six-year-old kids. Santa isn't real. And parents are the ones that put the presents under the tree. She tells them reindeer can't fly, elves aren't real, Elf on the shelf is just a pretend doll that your parents move around. And the tooth fairy's not real. Mom and dad sneak into your room in the middle of the night and put money under your pillow. The Easter bunny's not real. Magic doesn't exist. There's no such thing as magic. This is a grown woman. You know, why do people think that they have the right in school teachers, in this case, five and six-year-olds, that they can contradict values of parents because most parents want their kids to enjoy the anticipation the excitement the fun of christmas and that season and santa claus and some of the kids to their credit they didn't believe the teacher (laughs) um you know some did my granddaughter came home yesterday and told me, Mimi, Santa Claus isn't real. And I flipped out, the woman recalled. I had to explain to her, Santa's real? She Of course Santa is real. Anyway, so I don't know why people want to take people's joy away all the time. Um, all right, before we get to your calls on this, 800 941 Sean, I think the other great story of the day, too, is Al Sharpton's uh, National Action Network. Al Sharpton actually, <laughs> he gave himself... Uh, uh five hundred and I thought 31 thousand dollars, and to give the his his life story rights for a ten-year period to his nonprofit in his latest tax filing. Oh man, I got to pull this one off. I want to, you know, this is sort of like Hillary. Don't try this at home. Don't try subpoenaed email deletions and bleach bit of on your hard drive or busting up devices. Um, before we do, I want to just tell you, I picked up a novel, so I work with wonderful people, the best people ever in radio. I have the best team I've ever had in all my years at Fox, and for many people, I've, I've literally worked with me 20-plus years, It's it's and you get to know people, and, and I just have the best teams everywhere, um, and one guy is a really—he works over at Fox with me. His name is Dion, and— He actually wrote this book and I picked up the book and I was blown away because it's called Blood in the Streets. It's over the course of seven days in New Haven in the 70s with a veteran homicide detective by the name of Frank Suchi, gradually losing his grip on sanity and sobriety while he's investigating the murder of his best uh, friend's child. And he tells this whole story. I couldn't put the book down. And what even shocked me more is the nice thing. Why did you say all these nice things about me in the book? There's a lot of people that really hate Hannity, but he's really not not that bad in real life. Dion uh, is with us. How are you?
8: Good, Sean. How are you, Uncle Sean? How's everything? Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, it's great to it's great to have you. I couldn't put the book down. So I work with all these talented people at Fox, um, and now you've you've done some acting work in the past, correct? You've been on Neil Cavuto's show as another friend a mutual friend of ours right yeah
8: that's correct yeah i i, I was going on Neil's show um helping him to, uh, to demand Fox Business Network starting back in two thousand and eleven and then I graduated to like a uh panel position on his Friday show. He occasionally does but right. yeah I, I work I've been working with you and it's it's so funny. I like to jokingly refer to you as the big brother I've never had
0: oh, yeah, you, you do every day refer to
8: me. Yeah, and you jokingly refer to me as a little brother you never wanted.
0: Exactly. um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've got to say this. I'm I'm very proud of you because the book is great. We're going to put it up on our website, and I wanted to give it a plug, but go ahead. What do you want to say?
8: Oh no! I just want to, you know, I I love telling people how awesome you are, and it just sometimes I just don't like the raw deal you sometimes get. And I wish the the stories of how nice of a person you are and how good you are to your friends and to your coworkers, uh, you know, would get out there more. You know, I just you're just saying that because I guy. have p
0: pe- I have pizza day once a week. That's the only reason you're saying that.
8: Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, going on sixteen years working with you day in day out, and it's great to see this side of the world of you. know, I'm usually just with at the uh, TV show with you. I never get to see you on this side on the radio show uh it, it's it's really exciting yeah the, the book is blood in the streets it's out tomorrow uh it's a uh a, a historical fiction a thriller that i've written it started uh, i wrote it as a screenplay it started it back in 2003 and it's taken me 16 years to get the thing out and in 2012 i finally turned it into a book and i'm finally getting it out there so um you know it, it's been a long road for me to get this out to pasture and get it to the market
0: by the way, it's a truth. You wrote in the acknowledgments that, that, you know, talking about me, you can literally bring Hannity up at 3 a.m. and say I need 10 grand for bail money. And his only question would be, where do I send it? <laughs> it's true, probably you know, true. It's just,
8: it's, yeah, it's, it's you know just, it's just how great of a guy. I mean, we work in a business where people can be you know sometimes not that mean or they can have or not that nice, and they can have a persona where they're very nice on TV, but then they're quite different to the people they work with day to day, and you're one of those exemptions where you're nice on and off, and it's just so except, when you, how,
0: except when you except when you grab my back, I can't stand like so Dion well, does... we,
8: we have to give a context to that because that sounds awkward, yeah, I do audio, so I put the microphone and the earpiece oh. on him every day, and sometimes. You know, Sean will be running in and he'll have other things on his mind and I'm getting there trying to wire him up. And, and, you know, if something doesn't go right, you know, you're you're you got your mind on other matters. So sometimes you just don't want to be, you know,
0: to, uh, no, I just don't like to is. be. I I it's, uh, there's two things that are really sensitive in my life. Number one, my hearing is so shot from 30 years of, of radio. If anyone like pulls in my ear, I'm like, oh, it's, it's just the yeah. worst feeling. And then the other one is, you know, somebody groping your back instead of just, you know, having a system where we have now where it just takes two seconds and it's done. Yeah, um, and it,
8: it took a while for us to get that down. But, yeah, you know, it's just it's, it's, fun uh, it's, it's all just good. great to work with you day in and day out. It's very nice.
0: Well, I'm really proud of you. And, by the way, this this is a 16-year labor of love, and it's called Blood in the Streets. Uh, we're going to put his book on Hannity.com. You can get it on Amazon.com. Dion, we're proud of you. We'll see you tonight. Thank you, my friend. Sean, thank you so
8: very much for everything. Thank you.
0: All right, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. All right, let's get uh, to our busy telephones here. Allison, Louisiana. Allison, hi. Glad you're patient. Thanks for calling. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. I think we can say it all.
3: Yes. Merry Christmas to you, Sean. And um, it's quite an honor. You're very talented at what you do, and I appreciate you keeping us informed.
0: Well, I'm glad to do it. It's my honor every day to have this microphone. Can you believe this, teacher? Is this unbelievable?
3: Um, I'm sad to say I'm not as shocked as I would have been a few years ago. But after the whole Rudolph incidents and taking certain song Christmas songs off the air, it, I just yeah, I guess for a five year old it's a little extreme. But yeah, it's crazy. They shouldn't do it. It's it's a parent's job to teach the traditions they want their children's to have and to grow up with. It's not it's not a teacher's and definitely not a substitute teacher's
0: job. Yeah, look, I you know, it just is it's like for a five year old kid, this is like Santa. You know, they're just at the age where they're realizing that, oh my gosh, once a year this guy in a you know, a real real heavy guy in a big red suit with a big white beard and a nice hat and reindeer with Rudolph leading the way you know flies and they're going to come down my chimney and they're going to and they're going to put presents under the tree if i've been a bad boy or a good boy or a good girl or bad girl, i know i might get coal or whatever and it's unbelievable that that some, this is what teachers do though they have a captive audience and many of them indoctrinate they don't teach and the idea that they feel that they have a right somehow to abandon a mission of reading writing and arithmetic of which they're not doing great in themselves in terms of where you know we pay more money per capita per, per student per education with you know some of the worst results and you have this unholy alliance with teachers unions and uh, you know that protect bad teachers and the Democratic Party can't fire bad teachers it's, I mean it's horrible. And now we're going to now we're going to shatter kids dreams and then too bad for you if you don't like it. That's where you only you have, have one choice. Anyway, thank you, Allison. You know, you live in a state of New York and let's say you're in Westchester County, the number one property tax county in the country, or you live in Nassau County, the number two property tax county in the country and New York forget it, real estate through the roof. And so you, you pay for these schools and with these high property taxes, supposedly. And then all the lottery money that's supposed to go to education. And you, you have one choice because it, you're paying so much in taxes. Then the idea of them putting another $40,000 down for a private education for your kids. Then you're paying for schools you don't use. And then you're paying for, on top of it, the high property taxes. you just, They get you coming and going. And then they'll, it doesn't matter what you, values you may have as a parent. They're not going to honor them. Unbelievable. Uh, guy is in Maryland guy. Hi, how are you? Glad you called.
9: Oh, Hey Sean. Um, uh, thanks for taking my call. Hey, listen, Sean, that teacher was a total jackass, but listen, you can turn a negative into a positive. Listen to what my wife is starting to do when people say that Santa Claus doesn't exist. She says, wait a minute. He definitely existed. We, uh, you know, you know, we have his history. He gave presents. He did all this, but if, if he is passed on, now the parents have picked up, and now the parents are doing the Santa Claus job. So that's what we've done to lighten the, to lighten the load when you have, like, idiot teachers like that, you know?
0: Uh, and this, the problem way, Sean, is it's at every, it's every level. Way, I mean, it's in, it's in grammar school, grade school, high school. Now we're going after five-year-olds. Now we, we can contradict every value that parents want to instill in their kids, and still our kids can't read or write.
9: I'm a teacher and I'm telling you education has moved so far to the left and until we get the value education back into schools it's never going to get better. You got to teach values first before you can straighten up education. Okay? There's no values. These people that these people that are running the show have no values. So how the heck are we expecting the kids to have values,
0: you know? I mean, it's so tr- listen, I get it and but I will tell you most parents don't agree with this. You know, this whole war on Christmas, it is a war on Christmas. Happy holidays. Right now is Hanukkah. I have so many of my friends, I have no problem calling them, hey, happy Hanukkah. You know, because, and they'll they'll tell me on Christmas, Merry Christmas. Then you get a bunch of other people that are so uptight that they might get something wrong that they say, oh, we can't, you, you can't say it in the store. Christmas, meanwhile, they'll have Big Christmas savings, but they can't say their employees are forbidden from saying Merry Christmas. It's unbelievable. Uh back to our phones. Uh is it how do you say this? Kaya? What is Okay. You're right, C-I-A-Y-E. CJ, how are you? You're on the Sean Hannity Show. Hi.
3: Hey, I'm with that group, the Deplorable Choir, that literally sing about Trump. I've called in before. I remember you, you calling sang, in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How you doing?
3: You sing. I'm doing great. You sing The Devil Went Down to Georgia to me, and it was like the highlight of my life.
0: <laughs> oh, you know, it's funny because um, a lot of people said, what, what do you mean you don't know them? And I didn't. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know everything. I'm trying my best. Uh, hey. So what's we going on? Really How are you guys hard, doing? Um, are you all doing all right?
3: oh we're doing great we're just like constantly trying to champion causes that we believe in like we we make fools of ourselves singing on the internet we might as well you know stick up for things we believe in like trump and i called you actually to talk about the border wall uh, yeah. i've heard all this stuff going on about christmas and i've just got like words in my head but we're right now we just did a song called brick by brick for the american border foundation and i don't know if you or your listeners know about them but we want yeah. the border wall bill well I, just I, I love what you're doing about
0: I, it. I, I, I and you know what maybe we'll put a link. on on my website i have i'm a little bit behind cj but i will say this it just irks me with all the tax money we pay and all the money that gets spent and all you know to, for all these countries including those that you know where their citizens are not respecting our laws and sovereignty and i'm just like why why do i have to I, I mean i get it and other people have suggested it to me but i'm like ugh, it just is wrong that government can't do their job securing our borders is their job it's about national security more than anything else. And it's about the rule of law. And, and you have so many people that literally now we have aiding and abetting. states are aiding and abetting. Cities are aiding and abetting. Sanctuary cities. Criminal activity. And there's no consequences. But if you're a Republican, you're, you're going to be locked up. Don't do anything wrong. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News Channel, as the casket now of 41, President George Herbert Walker Bush lies in state in the Capitol Rotunda. Uh, We expect President Trump, Melania, to be actually going over uh, in my hour, 9 o'clock, and so we'll cover that live. The media, literally, many of whom hated Reagan and Bush... Uh, and bludgeon them, oh, now he's the greatest thing in the world because then they can go after Trump. I mean, it is as sick and twisted and ugly as you would imagine. Well, the latest on the borders and much more. 9 Eastern tonight, Hannity, Fox News. We'll see you then. As always, thank you for being with us.